0: Welcome to the Life Onward, aka Life on Ward podcast. I am Ward Huey, and I am here to bring you conversations with people that are living out their passions. They are living life onward. Today's conversation is with a young man named Taylor Leary. He's a friend of mine that I met through Sergey Kotrovsky, who you may remember from the first episode. But Taylor is a gentleman that is native to Jacksonville, Florida, and he currently lives far from there. So we get to hear where he is now, how he got there, and how he made very hard decisions in pursuing passion. So sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: And it scratched the song, and she hears it scared.
0: So I do belong. So I do exist. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Life Onward, aka Life Onward podcast. Uh, today, I'm happy to be sitting in my uh, condo with my friend Taylor Leary. And he's a very cool guy with a pretty cool story of what he's doing mm. with his life. And we'll get to hear about that a little more. Uh, so uh, say hi, Taylor. Hello, everyone. What's up? So I'm glad to have him here, and we'll dive right on in. Uh, I will say, if anyone has listened to my first episode, uh, that with Sergey Kotrovsky, uh, Taylor and I actually met through Sergey, and then um, found out that we there was other like loose connections through music scene in this area and stuff too. So, anyways, um, yeah, check that out if you haven't listened to it. But uh, we'll go ahead and dive right into what all uh, Taylor's going on, and we'll find out why I wanted to have him on here uh, to learn about the passions and the dreams that he is a great example of living out. So, uh, Taylor, you are how yes, old? Sir,
1: I'm uh 28 years old, big two eight, born 1991. Only
0: nine years younger than me. <laughs> Part of this podcast is me <clears throat> trying to learn how I can be better at living my life, and everybody I seem to have on here is a good bit younger.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's cool
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, you—I met you, I bet you are in Jacksonville. Is that where you were originally from?
1: Yeah. So I was born and raised on the west side of Jacksonville. Like my—we never moved houses. Some of my, most of us, almost all of the kids were born in that house, and we've never moved
0: parents still in that house
1: now? They're still in that house, they own it, like they paid it off years ago. And uh yeah, the only one that's left now is my youngest brother. So it's my dad, my mom and my youngest brother are still there, but yeah, we've never moved. Almost all of the kids were born in that house other than like hospital complications. You know, I think one was early and but yeah, pretty crazy. Like we're very I don't know if that's normal or what that is, but <laughs> I, all of my friends had always moved around so much. So like for me to never move, I thought that was so different, you know, like, well, like all my friends, oh, I'm moving here, I'm moving here. I'm like, oh, like, that's so odd, you know, like, you yeah. never moved. I yeah. like all my memories as a child was, was there and like, mm-hmm. yeah, everything was just in that house my whole life.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. My parents, I'm, like I said, I'm a good bit older than you. So I'm 37. My parents moved into the house they're in now when I was four. Wow. And we had the property before then, and we lived in a trailer. Uh, my dad built homes for Whoa, living. that's cool. Now he's like a handyman, uh, but he had his own construction company, built custom homes. So he built that house. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't really remember <clears throat> living in the trailer and all before we moved into that house. So, similar story. They're oh, still nice. in it now. Wow. Yeah, so Cool. Yeah. All <laughs> right. So what was, well, first off, kids up. <laughs> I've met one brother. How many
1: you've only met one brother? I've only
0: met your brother Alex,
1: ok. And you then you probably know Banny as well, Yeah. I don't think so. He's like the crazy, curly haired guy. I don't he was the th- basis for Boyson,
0: oh, ok. I just yeah. I, I guess I just never realized they were uh brothers. Yeah, yeah ok. Yeah. so
1: well, there's nine of us. Holy. Yeah, yeah so there's nine of us. I'm number six. And we're all two years apart. So like starting, uh, my brother is about to be 40, my oldest brother, and then the youngest is going to be 22. So it's like nine kids spanning 18 years. Wow. Um, all two years apart. Wow. Yeah, so uh, six boys and three girls. Okay. Yeah. So Alex is the one that you know that's right below me, two years younger. Okay. And then Banny is like two kids below me, who's the youngest. And uh, they both played in a band called Boyson together.
0: Very, very good yeah. band when it was going on. And, yeah, um, yeah.
1: They're so talented. I saw
0: Alex um, May. Okay, Maybe nice. the end of May. He filled in on drums for a band that uh, you probably know and I know named Glaze. Oh, yeah, yeah. Glazed is awesome. I love those guys. Yeah, love those guys, too. And he filled in for them here in town at Sarbez. At
1: oh, show nice, both. nice. Yeah, yeah, Alex is so talented. Like, he's just so committed to music. Like... That's awesome how how committed he is.
0: He's good. Yeah. So, enough um <laughs> enough of uh, fan worship of your younger brother though. We're <laughs> yeah, here to right. talk about you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um so what was life like growing up in I consider that a huge household.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it's kind of funny cuz I feel like it really prepared me for where I'm living now and what I'm doing because like um We'll Uh, get
0: to what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to um, that.
1: But uh, I would say we learned to share very early on. Like, I shared a bed with my younger brother up until high school. Like, literally a queen bed that we, like, shared every night. And my family is extremely conservative. Um, Grew up, like, Methodist, Baptist. um, And then... Uh, we were all homeschooled.
0: Okay. I was homeschooled. I was going to ask what school was like for you. Okay.
1: Uh, I was homeschooled my entire life. All of us were actually. All nine of us were homeschooled our entire school career. Um, so yeah, it was a very sheltered home. It was very conservative. All of my community came from church and youth group and vacation Bible school. Uh-huh. Um, so growing up, I really only had like one really close friend. And he was kind of my connection to the outside world. Like, okay. he went to public school and told me everything. And like, this is what <laughs> kids are like. And like, yeah. I was super awkward for so long. Like, up until like high school, I was very awkward. and had no idea how like to have conversations or mm-hmm. socialize because like all of my interaction was with my family or my church people. So gotcha. it was definitely, uh, yeah. Thankfully, I've definitely gotten some more social skills and communication skills. Now, I would but, say so. Uh, yeah, I was definitely, I had to go through a lot of very awkward situations to learn like, oh, you don't do this and you do this and this is a proper response. Mm-hmm. So that uh, definitely uh, had to, a lot of those cringy moments, you know, that you look back on, <laughs> like, you still think of today, like, oh, what did I do? Like, right. So, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very conservative upbringing okay. and very sheltered, extremely sheltered. Okay. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> All right. So, like you said, your friend was, uh, you had, like, one friend that was the outside connection. Yeah. All right, so I know that music was a thing for you, not just your brother. Yeah. Um, Music was a thing. Definitely, Um, yeah. I know of one band. Was that the main band that you were in at one point, or were you in a few?
1: Well, I've done a few, like, the very first band I was in with Alex on drums. Okay. was, like, a metalcore band, maybe some of the locals know, called Hope Runs Deep. Okay. And that was, like metalcore like early 2000s just like breakdowns chuggy like drop a tuning and i was the vocalist and uh like the lyricist like i did all of the writing and we did that for a few years and then second band i played for a hardcore band called peacemaker we were like more underground i played guitar i did all the writing for guitar um and that was more of like a, uh, I don't even know what to compare that to maybe a band like mother of mercy
0: i've never even heard of mother oh, okay, of mercy okay. uh,
1: <laughs> like backtrack esque, okay. or like, um yeah, just kind of like New York hardcore stylish. Oh wow! And then the last project I did really before I started doing what I'm doing now uh, was a band called Gray Fox, where I wrote. We wrote like a concept album, and I was the vocalist. Okay, um, that was more of like a melodic kind of like, uh, kind of melodic hardcore soundish. Like okay. we, we used to drop tuning, but it was definitely like uh, dissonant chords and like. Very melodic, like, chord strumming with, like, repeat chorus parts, stuff like that. No singing, but it was more of, like, a a yelly kind of, um, I guess, not an emo band, but it was very emotional. Gotcha. Like Emo core. You could, I would say, like, (laughs) it was very, like, early pianos become the teeth. Okay. Like, very melodic, screamy, yelly, kind of desperate sounding, stuff like that.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, what was it that got you into music?
1: Well, actually... So it was really my older brother, Walker, who's like two siblings above me. So he was really big into like emo and like he loved watching MTV and like he kind of was my, you know, being a little brother looking up to him like, oh, what's he doing? What's he like? Like, I want to be a part of that. So even before I could drive... My older brother was taking us to concerts like a Jackrabbits, uh, Fuel, and Five Points, mm-hmm. if you remember that, uh, The Imperial. And that was kind of like my first step out into the real world. Like,
0: whoa, what is
1: this, you know, subculture? What, you know, this was just a whole new thing for me. And I realized, like, I want to be like my brother. I want to do this. So I got really passionate about music and writing. And um, yeah, I would say it was my older brother, definitely. And then also it being kind of really my only, um, Excuse me. That's all right. Um Really only like my first step out into the real world, like this, whoa, this is a thing. You know, I had no idea. It was all new to me and it was cool. Guys were tattooed, people seemed tough. It kind of was like, this is an identity that can like, people seem kind of marginalized and like angry and like, well, I can connect with these feelings. Like I've had these kind of feelings And this is kind of a voice for me, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think that's what a lot of people try to find in music is just like, I'm not alone. There's people out there like me. This is like a voice that I can connect to and things like that. So uh, Mm -hmm. definitely my older brother, Walker, was the one who kind of kicked it off. And then um, and then having Alex do music, we kind of fed off each other as well. So
0: gotcha. Okay. And so like you said, you wrote. So there's obviously you play you play an instrument. You wrote, you were the vocalist. Yeah. I'm going to call you singer. Okay, Even sure. If you sure. didn't sing, it sure, still sure. fits. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So, so, there's an artistic element to you. So, what's that like?
1: Well, that's a good question, actually. No one's ever asked that.
0: Um, yes, that's what no, I'm going for. No, here. that's
1: a really good question. I just remember, like, being writing really helped me process.
0: Okay. Especially in,
1: like, my late teens before, you know, my early twenties, I was really depressed, doing a lot of drugs. Um I mean, that's part of kind of my story. But okay. it was uh, it was just a way to get out what I was feeling. Like I would just like literally all day when I was working just be like thinking of stuff to say and like kind of you know, I've just always kind of been one for poetic things okay. and kind of poetic beauty. So when you can like say something in a unique way and kind of take something that everyone can experience and like pain. But then make it painted beautifully where people can connect to. Mm-hmm. I think that's something really special. And right. I tried to do that a lot. And uh yeah. yeah, it was just something always coming out of me, especially in my like in my darkest moments. Like it was just a way for me to get out what I'm feeling and like kind of just put it out there in a sense.
0: Okay. So. All right. So I did not know this about you. So very conservative family, homeschooled, got into music, late teens, early twenties. Yeah. So, so this was what years? You said you were born what, ninety three? Ninety one. Ninety one. So I'm born
1: okay. ninety one. So then I'm sixteen at the time. So that would have been around two thousand four. E no, uh, sorry, sixteen. It would have been two thousand seven.
0: Okay. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. You do um,
0: the math, not me. Yeah, I'm I, so bad. I'm I'm bad at math. Old. Um, I'm old. So anyways,
1: yeah. So I get I get a job at sixteen because like my mom and dad are kind of like, "Hey, you want independence? You want a car? You got to work for it." So I'm yeah. like, "Anything to get me out of this house." Like I'm so sick of being stuck you know mm-hmm. so i get a job at a restaurant because like that's the only place that'll hire me i'm a dishwasher okay and like for those that work in the service industry you know it's just like a mess like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say where i was working or names but like people are doing like cocaine on the the line you know cooking and like people were like snorting coke and uh here i am this innocent like i'm a virgin i like don't even know what drugs are and i show up on i don't even curse so i show up in this kitchen and everybody's like Trying to like, they're like, you're an angel, like, you need to experience ah, life, and like, right.
0: really, they, they think they're helping you. Yeah, they're I'm using like, air quotations because you can't see me right now, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, but yeah, they're helping you experience life.
1: Yeah, they're the typical, like, man, you've never experienced anything. Like, mm-hmm. how do you have fun? How do you find fulfillment? Like, so I'm like thrown into this environment, and uh, for about two years, I fought it, like, no, I'm not gonna do this, I don't want like. I had, like, super negative, you know, stereotypes about, mm-hmm. you know, drugs, even marijuana, all this stuff. Right. And uh, finally, what broke broke the camel's back or the straw that broke the camel's back, they say, was I got my heart broken by a girl.
0: Ah, so it happens. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I was dating this girl 16 to 18. And, like, she was my world, you know. I thought, oh, I'm going to marry her at 18. And then I get my heart broken. And, of course, I'm like ticked off and I don't care anymore mm-hmm. so I'm like I just want to do what I want to do so at that point I started like experimenting like okay. like oh like maybe I should try this thing that everybody you know says is is so good you know so at that point like I started I <clears throat> like exchanging rides for people and they would like smoke me out with marijuana and stuff That's like true. so that was like my first experience really um and yeah for a few years I would say it was a downward spiral like uh, just because I really feel like I was trying to use it to cope. Like I literally did not want to be sober at all. Right. Like, I was like, life sucks, and I don't want to be sober. I can just zone out, like pretty typical, mm-hmm. like just kind of veg out, as the kids say, you know. Right. So yeah, for yeah, maybe a little under two years, I was like a very avid smoker. Okay. And like I knew, like deep down, like I feel like this isn't the right thing for me Mm -hmm. like I felt like this isn't beneficial and it's putting me in the wrong crowd and like I had like a lot of people I was hanging out with that would only hang out with me if I was smoking and like they knew like oh like Taylor usually has weed so let's hang out with them a lot and like I was lonely so I was like sure let's hang out and I definitely say like it wasn't a good it was just a coping mechanism and it wasn't Mm -hmm. a good one at that and like it just made me like more depressed, if anything, you know, it wasn't right. like, uh, this is a cure, but it was definitely mm-hmm. like, I just didn't know where I was going or where I fit in and okay. felt, felt frustrated, depressed, things like that.
0: Gotcha. So, and yeah. were you, cause like you mentioned, very conservative family, very Christian conservative. Were you like involved in church at this time really? Or no, or,
1: um, I would say I was like going to church, but like more just like to show face gotcha. and, uh, cause that's there was what- a few people that knew what I was doing, but they were still very. Loving towards me and very mm-hmm. open okay. and like to this day, like I still remember that kindness, you know what I mean, like to this day, I can remember like, hey, like they just wanted me around. they didn't care like, hey, you're not you know, you don't necessarily fit our box it but was, like right, we love right. you, and you need to be around
0: gotcha. it wasn't the story that seems to be pretty common nowadays of, oh, this person is not inside what we consider good christian, so therefore. Yeah. We don't want him around. It was okay. Some of us know what's going on. We love you anyway. We're just glad you're here. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I'm like, um, I, cause I remember wanting to stop, but I never could. And my friends made so much fun of me because I would be like, yo, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to buy this eighth of marijuana and like be done with it. And then two days later, I'd hit up my friends and they would all laugh at me like, oh, you said you were done. Like, I couldn't escape it to be honest. Like, I had a very strong emotional addiction to it. Mm -hmm. And like, I told, you know, these guys that I was going to church with, like, I want to get out of it, you know, like I want to stop. And like, I'll never forget, like the exact thing he said was like, hey, well, like when you, maybe it's like, there's a better way to say it. But he said like, when you love Jesus more than you love smoking is when you'll stop. And I think that's like, there's a huge truth in that where it's Mm -hmm. like, what we value and like things like that is uh, there's a big truth in that. And I just remember like, he wasn't like, oh, you've got to do this program you got to stop, you know, he was just like. The bottom line is when you love God more than you love smoking is when you'll stop. Right. And that like really hit me heavy and I was like, mm-hmm. man, this guy's right. Cuz I couldn't stop. I was truly like, maybe physically there's no addiction, but definitely emotionally. Right. And uh, psycholo- uh, psychologically mm-hmm. I was definitely addicted. I couldn't stop. I tried
0: so hard. Right. And I get that cuz I mean, it's not that's not anything I've ever jumped into, but just I smoke basically a cigar a day. Yeah. And I I got a at night that's it's become like my relaxation and i am addicted to just that moment having that wind down
1: i totally agree yeah yeah yeah. i can understand that because now that i'm like doing coffee as a profession i have this set like it's the ritual of coffee that like is relaxing like Mm -hmm. i don't like feel that like oh like i need this so bad but it's literally the ritual of stopping and brewing and taking the time and weighing out the coffee and like there's something relaxing knowing that, hey, this is a stability in my life. And like, I, yeah, there's definitely like what you said. There's kind of a bit of a ritual to it, you know.
0: All right. So like you already mentioned it. Coffee is a thing in your life. Yeah. Um, something you and Sergi have in common. <laughs> um, again, to reference our mutual friend. So uh, but let's before we jump straight into that, let's talk about how we get there. Yeah. So music is a thing in your life you're coming to a point where you're realizing uh you need to make some changes yeah, in your yeah, life as yeah. well. Uh, so what started to happen first the changes in your life or the slowing down of music?
1: Uh that's a good question. So at the time like let's just say I'm early 20s like 1920 I'm working at a really high end restaurant as a chef. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was the youngest guy in the kitchen. I was kicking butt. I was making buckets of money. And I really didn't have any purpose. Like, it was like I could work as a chef because I was good at it. Like, I could, you know, I've served the Jacksonville Jaguars, I've served Dan Marino, um, things like that. Like, I was just like, it's something I was really good at, but I really didn't enjoy it at all okay and um at that time i like that's when i was going full swing into music so Mm -hmm. at this point me and my little brother alex and some of my childhood best friends were working on this project called gray fox so we initially just released a full 15 track album a concept album of a story um a lot of my writing was happening while i was working i like make notes Mm -hmm. and so at this point like my goal in life was to be a musician and make it big in music. Like, I wanted to be an artist. Um, It's, like, my big passion. I loved creating. I was doing it with my little brother and best friend. I loved playing live shows. Like, live shows were my most favorite thing in all the world, just to have that energy Mm -hmm. and people connecting, and we had a lot of positive feedback. And at that point, though, like the band was like kind of a side thing and like it was what i wanted to do but obviously you have to live and you have to work so the majority of my life was consumed by working right but the band was my passion and i was just getting really sick of it and at this point like i had like stopped doing drugs and kind of got back into it like there was a small period of time where i was able to um get away from drugs and but then I'd kind of fallen back into it after a while just Mm -hmm. just being burnt out I wanted a release I wanted you know I was stressed out because of the job so there I was kind of up and down a lot Um, and the year was 2012 and I was really getting sick of just life okay I felt like I'd always felt that there's something more to life that I should be living for something more not really finding fulfillment. Like, music is cool, but there's no guarantees in that. Mm-hmm. And it's been, like, frustrating, even though, like, I love creating. But... Mm-hmm. So the year's 2012, and my friend, just on a whim, really, was, like... Hey, do you want to come to Jamaica with me and my wife and our, her family? Cause we're doing this kind of missional social outreach to like serve the slums and we'll spend like 10 days in Jamaica. And like, I don't know if he really had anything in mind when he invited me. I just love Jamaica. I always wanted to go. And okay. he, he was like, sorry, I say like a lot. I got to work on that. Oh, you're fine. Um, <laughs> he said to me, how do you feel about coming with us? and I had never had an opportunity to leave the country, and I was really excited, so I said yes. And I remember, you know, I don't know any, I don't know everyone that listens to this podcast, but I just remember in my heart praying, God, if you give me some type of direction on this trip, I will take whatever step you want because I'm so sick of making money. Money's never been an object for me. Like, I never cared about money. I just wanted enough to live. Mm-hmm. So I re- really remember devoting these 10 days if you just give me some type of direction, please, I will do anything. I'll drop everything at this point. I just have some direction in my life. Um, so we went on the trip and we partnered up with this organization called Youth with a Mission, where we like stayed on the campus and we served with them and worked with them side by side. And I was familiar with the organization from people in my own church.
0: Okay, but you weren't in YWAM Youth with a Mission.
1: No, I was not. No, I had a lot of opportunities to join because I had friends in it, and my best friend's wife had did it or done the school. Um, It's kind of a little bit of like a like a college, like a Christian college kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had I had a couple offers to join, but I always made excuses. Like I had multiple times, like I sat in on classes, kind of got a feel for it, but I always made excuses, like, this is nice, but I don't have the money to do it. But anyways, they invite me on this trip, and I just really feel from talking to the students on the campus, and uh, just being exposed to what they were doing, I really felt like this was the right next step
0: right, to do. So okay. Yeah. So you <clears throat> go to Jamaica. Yeah. Um, you've kind of made it... Kind of made a deal with God. I don't know if you call it that, but kind of is like, hey, God, you've asked for direction. and so, Yeah, you know, absolutely. Give, yeah. Me, give me direction. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm working a job. I'm making money. I'm in a band. It's doing whatever. I need to, like you said, you just want direction, right? Yeah.
1: Me, okay. I don't know if everyone's familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm a type one. So I'm what they call the reformer. So if nothing for me has purpose, I can't do it. Like everything, everything has to have a purpose, meaning whether it's a bigger picture or something like the first thing I'll ask anything, like if I'm offered something or, you know, I'm thinking about doing something, I'm always asking, what is the end goal? What's the purpose? What am I accomplishing here? What impact am I having? So my life not having that made me extremely stressed and depressed. That didn't mean to rhyme, but um, I was extremely (laughs) depressed. So, like, all I was doing was surfing and working and camping and, like, doing outdoor stuff and working on my music. But I felt like there's got to be more. So many people would be
0: like, that sounds so fulfilling. (laughs) But I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You felt you're someone that wanted to do more with yourself than what that
1: was. Yeah, I really felt like this deep yearning inside me, this deep longing since I was a kid. That life has to have a bigger picture. Like, there's got to be something bigger out there, kind of, you know. And okay. be growing up in a, in a conservative home, I didn't really feel like that those were the answers, you know. Like, it's for me with my experience and growing up, I just felt like God was this. He's an angry God. He's way out there. Yes, he's real, but he's not really involved in my life and doesn't really care. Okay. So, yeah, I knew, you know, I was preaching when I was 16 in the youth group, you know, like I was mm-hmm. the the golden boy, you know, I was at church three or four days a week, helping out, serving, setting up, breaking down. But I never really felt like God was involved. It was like, these are the right things to do. It was always about right and wrong. And, mm-hmm. and so I never really felt like God is really involved in my life or that like, there was more, sounds like maybe mm-hmm. more
0: action than faith.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I really hadn't like no idea, you know, it was just like, everybody loves me if I do these things and like people look at me and like, they give me recognition for doing this stuff, which I think is obviously horrible motivation. But sometimes I think we create that a little bit where it's like, Oh, "Oh, let me pat you on the back for doing this. Like you're just a good boy. You know, like we love to do that. And I realized, Oh, like I'm yearning for praise. I want to be recognized. I want people to feel I'm a good person. And that's how I got that recognition, you know? Right. And I think, i don't want to go on too long winded here but that's i think what i yearned for yearned for from my father which i never got okay so i was getting that from other people like my dad was extremely strict and kind of Mm -hmm. angry and uh kind of blew up a lot but i knew if i was doing the right thing he would recognize Mm me so as long as i did the right thing and i like checked all the boxes then i was a good boy Mm -hmm. and that's how i felt like i learned love So when I was doing that in church, it was like, that's all I was really after was just recognition and people to know I was good outwardly.
0: Sounds like it wasn't, it got to a point where now you're older and you're not fulfilled by that and you're realizing it. Yeah, definitely.
1: Like, it was like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm heartbroken by this girl. I'm making tons of money. Like, I have a life. I'm living on my own at 18. Like, why am I not fulfilled? Like I'm doing what I, you know, I'm surfing, which I love. I'm, I'm doing outdoor activities. I had like paid vacations at 18. Like where is this thing that like I'm chasing, you know, mm-hmm. where's, you know, the rabbit or the, the carrot on the stick, you know? Right.
0: And even music wasn't fulfilling that anymore. Yeah. It was
1: like, you know, these moments, these fleeting moments have awesome. We play a set mm-hmm. and it was a great, but then like, it's like, that's like one day every couple months or something, you know? Right. So, I was really just yearning for acceptance and love and recognition and a place to be, you know, a community or a tribe, you could say. And so Jamaica
0: gets offered through your connections with YWAM and all. So you say, God, I want direction. I want to do something. I keep leaning back from the mic. We'll find out (laughs) if that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep
1: leaning in, so maybe I'm too loud. (laughs) I'm just excited. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'll work it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, we can leave that in. It's just part of the... Part of the aspect of doing this. There it is. But you tell God, you talk to God about, I want a direction. If you give me a direction on this trip, I will pursue it. That's what it sounds like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And at that point, I wouldn't like, you know, I think we use a lot of language, especially Mm -hmm. in the Bible Belt and like Christian communities where like God spoke, you know, at that point, I had no idea like hearing the voice of God, what that was like, what getting direction was like. I'm a pretty logical person. And I just felt that. Um, doing YWAM was the next logical step. Like mm-hmm. I could at least step back from the life I'm in, take a little gap and see where, what what's possible in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So YWAM Youth With Admission loves to offer gap years for for high school students. Okay. So people graduate high school and they join YWAM for like six months and then they go back to school and do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, I saw YWAM as, okay, I can totally step out of what, is normal Mm -hmm. and immerse myself in a different world and step out of everything I'm used to. And maybe, hopefully this will give me some direction. Is what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And like, I can learn, I can grow personally and be just have an experience that I've never been able to have before. So I, that was October, 2012. I told myself, all right, I'm going to save up money and go the following year to Jamaica to do a school. which is like a six months school. I'm not going to go, I'm not like trying to sell YWAM. So I'm not going to go into a bunch of details, but uh, I thought, okay, I'll save up and do next year. But I came back and I told my pastor that I wanted to do it. And he was like, why don't you connect with the local uh, YWAM here in Jacksonville? Because they're offering like lower tuition fees or whatever. Right. So I was like, that's great. Less money. That sounds like a great idea for me. So I connected with them.
0: Wait, so is this before Jamaica or after? After,
1: after. Okay, so this so is tell like... Tell me uh,
0: about Jamaica. Tell me about... Don't skip over Jamaica. Oh, okay.
1: You were there for how long? 10 days. Okay. And it was kind of like a working vacation where mm-hmm. we did outreach to the poor and like fed the homeless and served people, painted stuff. Pretty typical evangelical yeah. <clears throat> stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was my first experience outside the country. Um, I really enjoyed it. I love learning culture, all that kind of stuff. Um... And yeah, I just felt it was a good way to step back and hear experiences from the other students on the campus, talk with them, what they were learning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was this aha, amazing moment. I just felt like this could be the next step logically, you know, like this, this lines up. So yeah, I mean, it was amazing, but it wasn't like I had this crazy, the Lord Mm -hmm. came down and my room was filled with light. I just felt by talking to the students, the positive experiences I was hearing, um, knowing I could be a part of this, I thought I need to like get out of my environment I've been in and kind of refocus. And I thought YWAM could offer that. So
0: gotcha. So Jamaica kind of sold the experience of Jamaica kind of sold you that or told you that YWAM was the next step for you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. And I felt like uh, I just remember being really determined like this is feeling in my heart or wherever you want to say, you know, like, this is, I got to do this. So I was extremely committed. Like nothing is going to stop me from doing this next year. But -hmm. then I talked to my pastor and he connected me with the local YWAM and felt like I could get in much sooner. I didn't want to like lose this momentum I had because it was starting in January rather than the next fall. And the tuition was much lower. So I jumped in right away. So Plus my church had ties with that YWAM, So I thought, okay, like they're recommending this. I trust these people. So I thought it was a a better fit. I didn't want to lose that momentum. I was afraid. I was afraid if I had too much time, I'd start making excuses again. And
0: not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, What did your family think about it?
1: They, I mean, I don't know what my siblings felt, but my mom was like, okay, this is good. We'll help you do this. We'll help you accomplish this. Like I had felt really strongly to do missions since I was like 12, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I like do a mission trip per se, you know, but I thought it was only for rich kids. You know, you see those prices, four grand, five grand, Mm -hmm. you're like, I don't have this kind of money. But I remember at this point in my life, I just felt I've got like, I have to do this. I'm so sick of my life. I'm sick of being stuck doing drugs, like addicted to drugs, sick of being in this horrible environment and i just wanted something different but at that point we had just released our full album (laughs) full-length album and like we had poured so much work into this band and i kind of just bailed a little bit oh so
0: you were at a crossroads and you you, how did the band take it then
1: (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) the funny thing is is like they were super supportive they okay they were just like okay go do your thing you know we'll We'll keep playing shows, or you know, we can work this out. Like it wasn't really like this formal, like "boys, I'm out." But it was very, very much like, "Hey, there's still a high possibility this could be used for the future." Like, let's not say we're over or right. announce it. But they were all like, "Cool, man, do your thing," and so they were we'll supportive. just yeah, they were like, "We'll just see what happens." Like, cool. And they started doing other projects, so they were busy. So they really it wasn't like this. Let's announce the end. It was just more of like. Hey, this is always an open ended thing. Cool. And so the,
0: the timing yeah. was good, it ended up being good from <clears> that sense.
1: Yeah. But the funny thing is, is, after we stopped, or after like I got more serious and kind of walked away, so many people started hitting us up.
0: And <laughs>
1: I felt like we got way bigger once we slowed down. Like people were like always asking us, when's the next Gray Fox show? We love you. We had like out of towners people hitting us up, like, you want to do a tour with us? And like, we weren't even trying. And we we're all like, what is happening? Um, so, it's really funny, actually. That's but, crazy how that works. Yeah, it was kind of funny.
0: So. All right. So you join up with YWAM. I'm going to try to fast forward a little bit. because um, When and where does coffee, because you already touched on it. When and where yeah. does coffee come in?
1: That's a great question. Um, so with YWAM, yep. I did like this two-year internship with the school. Okay. So YWAM was a very broad-stroked organization underneath what they call University of the Nations, which is based out of Kona, Hawaii. Mm. And they've got all these different programs, like medical ships. They've got all these different tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did this cultural internship, okay. so to say. So we did the schooling and then the part of the school – the curriculum you do a two-year internship overseas okay. so you become culturally immersed you learn language um you learn culture and basically you immerse yourself to learn about another culture so maybe that was a little redundant sorry no you're good um <clears throat> so i did that and the idea was to like do it as kind of a working vacation thing become an english teacher while i immerse myself in this uh, culture so okay. i was uh sent to southeast asia all right um, you were how old at this point i was man that was hold on let me think here so five years ago so 2012 23. is when you started yeah
0: so but i
1: didn't go overseas till 2014 okay so that was five years ago so i was 23 years old okay and i get sent with a group of guys a couple other guys and we move overseas for two years <clears throat> learning language, immersing ourselves in the culture, all this stuff. Um, what countries? Um, I've been to China, I've been to Malaysia, but I was based in Indonesia. Okay. So, um, yeah, where does coffee come into play here? Mm-hmm. So, I never drank coffee before.
0: <laughs> and, before going on this trip. Yeah, basically. never. Okay. So, here I am, like
1: a certified coffee professional now. Now. Like, yeah. Now. So. You never know what's going to happen. You can just, you never, you mm-hmm. never tell. Um, so we are living in Indonesia and we are immersing ourselves in the culture. We're meeting people. We're making friends. We're joining cultural festivals. We are about as immersed as you can be. We're living in a village. Mm-hmm. Um, we're having daily conversations with people. We're you know making friends and how was the
0: culture accepting to these american young american boy guys boys how was it like breaking or like getting into the culture
1: well <clears throat> good question actually um we definitely stuck out like a sore thumb <laughs> yeah and because we were young and energetic and lively there was a lot of grace for us like people thought we were just ridiculous they thought we were super funny Um, Asia is super accepting and loving. Like, I've never, ever felt threatened. I've never felt in danger. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I live in some of the most um, populous Muslim areas, I've never felt threatened or in danger. Mm -hmm. So, they're extremely accepting. They're extremely loving. Um, They, yeah, they were definitely willing to teach us. Mm. They They knew... We didn't understand. There was a lot of grace. There was a lot of you know room for us to make mistakes, but they were definitely like they loved having us around like we made amazing friends. We were part of we were invited to be part of all of the village festivities and weddings and they were very accepting, extremely warm. That's definitely. really awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, truly such an amazing people and amazing culture. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Like I've heard experiences in other countries like the middle, like let's say for instance, like Turkey or, um, you know, North Africa or Africa. Like I've heard it can be a lot more difficult, but Asia is extremely welcoming, extremely open, Mm -hmm. extremely helpful. Like the communal aspect there is amazing. Okay. Like people would literally call out of work just to help you. Like you would tell someone, Hey, I don't know where to buy this. Like, you know where and they would literally be like not show up to work just to take you to the market to buy what you need and i'm like don't you need to go to work they're like who cares like i'm helping you out like they would sacrifice so much for you like just Mm -hmm. so what they would call like a warm culture extremely like you would like not like the west at all okay that's pretty cool yeah, yeah it's amazing yeah that's really
0: really cool so it's different probably than a lot of people over here expected to be i would think
1: oh yeah extremely different yeah like but the hardest adjustment for me was time stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they have a saying over there called rubber time, where it's like, you want someone to show up at seven, you tell them to be there at five. Mm -hmm. And like, you spend eight hours with someone and you want to leave. They're like, why are you going so soon? Like, Mm -hmm. you're like, dude, I just spent eight hours with you doing nothing. Like I need to go do stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? Like, don't go. It's like, yeah. So relational. So, so relational. Like me being an introvert, I had to last, like have a lot of my own like time okay. that like I I was friends or I was with a guy that was extremely extroverted and I would be like, I got to tap out. I'm I'm done here. Uh, like, uh, uh. He would stay out till four or five in the morning, just like at people's homes. And I'm like, man, I got to go. I'm I so tired. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But where coffee comes to play and all of that is yes. coffee is a massive part of the culture. It's not like here. I feel like the difference there and here is Coffee is more of a tool here. Mm-hmm. It's much more of like, this keeps me awake. It helps me get work done. Um, I need it to go, go, go. I want large quantities, but crappy taste. Mm-hmm. Like I just want like this is a tool to accomplish what I want. Right. Whereas in in Asia it's more of a part of the community where it's you literally show up at someone's house and they're gonna give you a cup of coffee, doesn't matter what time of the day. Yeah. And they'll fill you up like eight times. Like I remember one day i ate I drank eight cups of coffee just because I'm hanging out with people. And it's like, you show up, here you go, like have some coffee. And every conversation is had over coffee. It's like, it's slow. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like they don't drink coffee for caffeine. They drink it just because it's part of a relational aspect.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. There's a
1: huge cultural responsibility to provide coffee and snacks at every house. So you show up, here's some snacks, here's some coffee. The difference I see here is like, oh, got to go through the drive thru, got to get, you know, triple, quadruple shot of espresso because I'm going overtime today. Like, drink, 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 drink. There, it's like they don't even think about, oh, this keeps me awake to get stuff done. They're like, let's share a cup of coffee together. So right. It's, yeah.
0: It's, and I guess I feel like maybe over the years, at least from my experience, America is starting to get that. Coffee shop. I call it coffee shop culture.
1: I am seeing that more definitely. It yeah. yeah. Like
0: that over there, that's the
1: norm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels, in my opinion, more organic over there. Cause like these people picked their own coffee and roasted it themselves and they, they're like giving it to you. Like, right. you can know that the mother of this household made this coffee. Wow. So, yeah. So
0: you get there, not a coffee person, but no. just through being immersed in the culture it beco- as you start to adopt their culture it becomes part of your culture coffee yeah
1: absolutely okay. and in a social aspect i'm really seeing like a lot of people were speaking into my life at that time you should use coffee in indonesia like you should help out coffee is the way to help out people out of poverty poverty you know okay so People like for years, the first two years were speaking it out. Like you should like look into this, like there's an untapped market here. You should really start, you know, thinking about it. Cause I I thought, you know, I was, I got certified as an English teacher as a way to make money, but with the government law, I couldn't do it. Like there was, you know, they just passed some laws where I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about opening a restaurant because, um, background in cooking but i thought man this is going to like take 80 hours of my life every week Mm -hmm. so i really didn't want to be that tied down i wanted to be connected more to the people because when i started feeling more like you know initially it was just an internship but more and more falling in love with the culture and the people and in a sense like i feel kind of somewhat of a calling to stay there okay i was thinking what can continually connect me to the people Give me a platform to stay, provide a livelihood for myself and the people, but also not something where I'm bringing something foreign to them, you know, Right. where it's like, oh, let's do a, I'm not knocking on this. It's just not my heart, but like, let's do a yoga studio or let's, Mm -hmm. let's, you know, bring something foreign to them. I was looking, where are the keys within the culture that are already there? that are going to bring people out of poverty. Give them value, like you already have this thing, and you can you have value by doing this thing. And I'm not bringing you something foreign, you know. Right. So that was my heart behind it.
0: So you you go there, internship. You become immersed in the culture. You start to see how. Important or how just um, integrated coffee is in yep. the culture. Yep. You start to become more uh, just familiar with it. How long were you there when you started having these thoughts of, okay, I want to give back to this culture and I want this to kind of become my home. When did the when mm-hmm. did it when did you start thinking I don't want an internship?
1: Hmm. Good question. I feel like very early on I felt that. Okay. But the question was always: obviously, you just can't live there, you know. Like, right. you've got to have an income. You've got to. Right. You know, this is a cool thing for you know uh, a, a short period, but it's like, how do you? I my heart was I don't want to come with something foreign. Right. I don't want to come and force people to do something foreign, or you know, where I open a restaurant and you've got to do it this way, and it's Western cooking, and
0: right. I'm going to show you Western culture, my culture.
1: Yeah. So the que- like. From the very beginning, I was thinking, man, I would love to stay. Mm-hmm. But the question is always how, you right. know?
0: And I feel like that's that's a question that a lot of people probably get to and they stop. Okay, yeah. I would love to do this, but there's no way. I would love to make music my passion, but I got to pay the bills. I would love to move to a foreign country. Um And stay there, but like, you know, like how? Yeah, yeah. So you had the ability to not do that. So, yeah. So you very quick, you decided quickly or maybe not quickly, but you decided I want to stay here. Yeah. And you didn't let those questions stop you. Do you? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, to be honest, it's always a scary journey. Definitely. Like, I come home every time. And I get hit with fear of, mm-hmm. like, you could get a job. You could stay here. And, like, it is definitely, like, I get hit with that question every time. Like, right. it always arises in, like, the back of my mind. And, you know, I have nieces and nephews I had never met when I came back. Mm-hmm. You have to ask yourself the question, is this worth it?
0: Right, because you're not mm-hmm. you're away from all this family and people you knew. Yeah,
1: exactly. Obviously. You know, like, you're when you go to a foreign country, you are a baby. You don't know where to buy milk. You don't know how to do it. You don't know where the post office is. You don't know how to pay electric bills. You don't know how, what is running a house like? What is vehicle registration like? You are literally a baby. So like, it's a huge step. And like, I think the first, one of the most major things has been the voices of influence in my life. Mm -hmm. Sergi being one of them. Like, I remember finishing my internship and wrestling with myself and processing with Sergi sergi i want to go back but like how and sergi was one of the major voices in my life saying dude you can do this because i had the tools i had the language i had the insight i had the relationships which is huge in indonesia because
0: you've been there long enough yeah yeah
1: i had all the ins and outs but i still had this major fear of like all of the unknowns like what's going to happen and Mm -hmm. sergi was one of the major influences in my life where he's like i'm in this with you like If you're over there, I'm over here. I'm with you in this. Mm -hmm. So like, Sergi, who's been one of my best friends, he's got more life experience than me. um, And so he's kind of somewhat of my mentor. He was one of the first people to say, you can do this. What's stopping you? And I will work out things on this side if you can work out things over there. So that was one of the big... The big thing, because I still, every time I come back, I still get hit with fear mm-hmm. on the plane. I'm like, man, what's it going to be like being home? Am I going to get stuck back home? Am I going to like fall into like uh, complacency? You know, right. like, it's a constant battle, even though I have, I have my whole life is over there now. Mm-hmm. But I still, there's the question, do I let it all go? It's a constant, it's a constant battle, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. All
0: right. So you, you kind of like you sunk your heels in. Coffee is the way. I'm, so I'm going to do this. I am staying. You know, I'm going to make it work. Yeah. Past that. Yeah. Uh, that initial, like, where a lot of people, I still would say, would stop.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and I had friends friends who did this, this schooling mm-hmm. with me that did the internship. They, I'm the only one that went back out of yeah. us. So we finished our internship. We all discussed, hey. We can do it. I mean, these guys are my lifelong friends now. We right. lived life together for two years. We went through the struggles together, but they chose a different path afterwards. Right. And there's, you know, that's, I'm super happy for them, but I was the only one out of the group that decided I'm going to keep struggling and go back, you know? Right. And one of those big things is it called happenstance. I don't know where everyone falls, but there were doors that opened for me that I can only explain as... What God provided through community, through relationship, that people invited me like, hey, let's work together on this coffee stuff. Okay, so
0: so you decided you're going back, coffee is your way to give back to people. Because you're not just going back because you have fallen in love with the culture and you want to live there. But you want to, like you said, you want to give back to the community. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. And coffee is how you see to do that. That kind of mission mindset. So... You go back and you start doing what?
1: So I've been working with this company now as kind of their field man where it's an exporting company. So you give I mean, I'm basically a coffee exporter. Um, I mean, that would be like the technical term. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically I was the field man for this company where I was going out in rural areas that has coffee and we're starting new projects. So we're basically... These people have land, they've got coffee growing from the Dutch era, which was planted but n- not used, kind of when the Dutch were enslaving this area, but mm-hmm. now everybody's kind of like, we don't care because there's no buyers, no one is helping us, we have no idea what to do with coffee, um, so everybody just kind of consumes it locally, Right. but we have found a niche market where... We're able to go in, educate, help with uh, processing machines, greenhouses, and basically raise the quality of this coffee, which in turn can be bought for more than five times the price. So, for coffee heads, let's say we're now able to produce coffee that's like an 86 or an 87 specialty coffee association level, like, you know. You know, Q grader, 86 coffee, 87, and like an exceptional coffee would be 90. Okay. And then a low grade would be a like 70, but then like a high quality would probably be mid 80s okay. or upper 80s.
0: Without, you don't have to alienate any of the local American known businesses, but what would you say then is the average grade that we, that America is familiar with of coffee?
1: Well, that's a good question. There's a term used in the coffee industry called nostalgic coffee, meaning it's like what your grandparents or your parents grew up on. Right. So like you throw it in a machine and you set it and you walk away. So that's, in my opinion, pretty low. Like okay. I would say 70s ish. Okay. In my opinion, because yeah. the thing there's two major things that separates like good coffee and great coffee. That's consistency and freshness. Right. So like. You should not be drinking a coffee a month, uh, a coffee that's older than a month. Okay. So the peak time of a coffee is like a week to a month. Okay. So everyone that's buying coffee in grocery stores, you have no idea how long it's been on that shelf. Right. You don't know how long it's been roasted. So like it can make a world of difference if you're drinking coffee within a month of it's roasting. So that's a major, like a major step that can make... You know, I have amazing coffees with me now, but after a month, you're going to lose all those special characteristics. And so
0: the average drinker around here probably wouldn't catch those characteristics being gone, like you, based on your experience.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I can, I know right away, like, even drinking the coffee I brought with me, I know, like, man, I'm losing all these amazing citrus flavors, this lemon this molasses I'm losing it all because I know it's getting older. Right. But there are some amazing specialty shops on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Like there's a shop in Orlando that only sells 86 or higher coffees. Okay. Um so there are some some really good shops, mm-hmm. but if you buy like grocery store coffee, there's just no telling how long it's been on the shelf and things like that. So
0: Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I I don't know much about coffee. I love what I have experienced of coffee shop culture and yeah, that, yeah. like conversational <clears throat> community. Aspect. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like things that are hot. I do not. I, it, if it's not real cold outside, drinking something hot makes me like feel like crappy. And oh hot. yeah, totally. Yeah, so yeah. I only yeah. drink cold brew. I am drinking right now hey. cold brew from kookaburra. I nice. make it myself. Nice. Okay. Nice. I buy it from them. They grind it for me. I put it in the thing and it sits, I pour it through the bean, the grounds, you know, yeah, after, yeah, and it yeah. sits in the filter for like however, like 12 hours or whatever in the fridge. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, it. no, that's
1: awesome. That yeah, so really that's cool. what
0: I do. <gasps> um, nice, definitely not a coffee, uh, like, connoisseur by any yeah. means, but that's what yeah. I do. Shout out to Kookaburra here in St. Augustine, Florida. Mm-hmm. That's where I get mine. That that's a
1: great shop. There it's you great go. Yeah. See,
0: we have yeah. a coffee. I'll say you're a connoisseur. Oh, thank
1: you, thank you. All yeah. right, yeah. so you mm-hmm. are
0: now, you were working for this company. Yeah. Has that changed?
1: Yeah. So basically the way it works over there mm-hmm. is like contracts. So my contract is done, but, um, my heart is to like be more based in an area so that what I've been doing is like moving around a lot, like okay. starting new projects in new areas, but I would much rather have like a deeper impact communally, commu- communally, yeah, in a sense, um, by being planted in the area. Okay. So I have an awesome opportunity to join with my friend's hotel. So I know a friend, a guy who owns a hotel and he wants to expand to a cafe and a roastery. So he's like, I'll provide that platform that this, you know, I'll provide the land, I'll provide the space. If you want to come in and basically, uh, start from the ground up and provide good coffee for my hotel. Cool thing is the hotel is in a coffee growing area. So the supply is already there, but there's no, or no, yeah, the supply is there, but there's no demand. So basically, right. by setting up this cafe roastery on top of this hotel, it will then create the demand for the supply that's already there while I'm being able to educate the farmers and basically create this coffee tourism. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've got guests from Europe coming, Chinese guests, uh, Singaporean people coming and staying in this hotel, um, kind of adventure tourism style, but then... Growing more to do a coffee tourism, meaning like you can help harvest and you can help roast and um, you can know that this coffee came from this mountain and kind of do a coffee tourism style. So
0: it's teaching people about like the local, the community of coffee, how coffee is made the right way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing that people, I'm not sure if people know this about coffee, and I might be saying this word wrong because it's French, but (laughs) coffee is in the same sense like wine where it has a terroir. Yeah meaning every region is going to be extremely unique in its own sense okay so coffee is exactly like wine in that sense so if i say like like i can now drink coffee and say this is an ethiopian this is a kenyan this Mm -hmm. comes from west java this comes from sumatra like every coffee growing region is going to have its own unique flavor so that's the cool thing about coffee where it's like hey you came here you stayed in this region and you have this unique coffee that that no other region is going to be able to produce. Cool. So that's kind of the cool thing about coffee is the market, in a sense, is very broad because there is so much uh, kind of it's such a niche for each coffee. You know, so mm-hmm. that's gotcha. that's a really cool thing about coffee. I love is that say, just like the people in every region are unique and their customs and their culture, coffee, in the same sense, has that.
0: So, okay, yeah. cool. So you've been there, you've been this field man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That contract is. Oh, mm-hmm. you're back in the states for how long?
1: Uh, a few months. So, okay. yeah, basically, I'm coming to look for investors. I'm coming to work myself, like build, get some extra cash, um, and yeah, go back. So, all
0: yeah. right. And so the plan is, then you're going to mm-hmm. go back and looks like kind of help develop coffee for this hotel.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, I'll be developing coffee for this region, this hotel. Um, yeah. That's the plan, cool. Yeah.
0: so now, um, to circle back to that whole fulfillment thing, yeah, how is this? Obviously, you're a community person, yeah. The fact that you knew the fact that you realized I want to help a community and be part of a community, give back to a community based on what they have instead of trying yeah. to force, <clears throat> you know, even with good intentions, something new, yeah. Uh, how. How are you finding that fulfillment and being that Enneagram one personality? Yeah, totally. How is that now for you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Try to get a little deep.
1: No, no, that's good. That's super good. You know, my hope is that I want to do something with my life that outlasts me, you know? I want to have a greater impact. I want to say, you know, and not even me, like I want to invite people on this journey, you know, Mm -hmm. it is not a singular thing. Like There's no way I could be doing what I'm doing or what I have done without the people around me, without the support, the love, the investment into me financially and, you know, emotionally, like there's no way I could be doing this alone. So it's definitely like, I want to bring people on communally like you know people in the states that maybe oh i can't go over there and have a global impact right now i want to give to you to make that possible but um so like i said my heart is to make something that like outlives me and um you know the thing that i see is just extreme poverty in these developing Mm -hmm. nations you know there's there's malnourishment because of there's not enough money um, you know, lack of finance, you know, these people are living on less than a buck a day, you know, and that's like possible over there. But I just, I've seen a lot of really malnourished kids. I've seen, you know, just so much, there's so many things that don't need to happen. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's a lot of stillborn babies there due to the, the, what do you call that? Ah, health, health system, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and just, there's a lack of, um, nutritional, uh, availability, you know, for moms and children, mm-hmm. uh, there's, a, you know, there's just so much that could be avoided, you know, if there was, um, just greater access, you know? So I, I think I'm kind of part social worker, part business, man. It's like, mm-hmm why are this resources here? Why are we not taking advantage of it? You know, right. like they're like, I've got a massive vision for this place. I'm talking producing honey, producing chocolate, producing coffee. Like all of these things can bring a higher quality of life, but no one is taking advantage of it just because mm-hmm. they don't have access outwardly, you know? So the idea is like, there's this resource there that they need education and they need access to a larger market. And it's like, I think, I believe I have those resources. So that's like, you know, in a sense, like holistically, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's not just, you know, hey, here's some money. But like, let's, because a difficult thing I see that kind of bugs me is I'm so sick of foreigners throwing money at people. There's a book out there called When Helping Hurts.
0: Yes, I've heard of it, never read it, yes.
1: Yeah, so we think that we can just throw money at at people and it fixes their problem, which is not the case. It takes education and it takes giving people value where it's like, hey, you worked hard for this. This is your product, you know? It gives people a sense of pride. It gives people a sense of identity. It's not like, hey, you're sick. Let me throw some cash at you. And then it's like, okay, well, in a couple months, I'm going to need more money from you, you know? Right. So the idea is to create something sustainable and mm-hmm. that's going to like outlast me and where they can, you know, I don't want, I don't even want them being like, wow, this guy Taylor came in and saved us. It's like, no, like he taught us how to be empowered. He right. taught us that we have value. He taught us that we can do this, you know, mm-hmm. like I think of kind of back to your um, thought process and, question as well is like a lot of these people are like well why even start you know like where is this going to lead why start right for the same
0: thing that you're looking for fulfillment and people get stopped and don't do what you're doing of going somewhere and starting something because it um they need to see that bigger picture of what's the point why start this oh yeah totally you know yeah yeah and it, it sounds like they have these products and they don't Under they don't see the value in them. I'm getting the idea that the coffee and all obviously you see where this can be a business, not that it's just a money grab, but this is a business where that you can to help you rise as people. Am I correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so you're helping them learn this.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing, you know, being in the West, you know, Mm -hmm. we are extremely. Uh, we have longevity in mind always right. always but in these developing nations because there's they've lived through poverty and famine and enslavement you know just not even you know less than 100 years ago right. there's this mindset of give me what i can get today and that's all that matters it's right. a very what they would call a fatalistic mindset where mm. um i don't care if i rip someone off because it's going to give me food today And, you know, why, you know, actually a hard mindset to get over there is everybody wants to farm vegetables because you can harvest vegetables like three or four times a year. Okay. Whereas coffee is like you harvest maybe once or twice, but you can make a lot more money off of coffee, Mm -hmm. but they're like, yo, coffee takes way longer. Like we need to get what we're getting now. Like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. So they're like... There is, we need to teach longevity. Mm-hmm. We need to teach the, the the ethics of like hard work and forward thinking. So for them right now, it's like, oh, I can't make money off it now. So why even start? Like, right. what you know, I need money today. I need to eat now. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a mindset I see in a lot of developing nations because gotcha. they have lived in desperation and they do. Right. Like they don't suddenly, a lot of times they don't know where their next meal is, mm-hmm. you know? So it's trying to teach them like, Hey, like, let's set up the system. Let's work a little bit harder. Like, set up long thinking. You know, longevity. So,
0: gotcha. uh, That's a
1: cultural barrier, definitely mm -hmm. to get over.
0: Gotcha. So you're you're helping them establish what they have.
1: Yeah, 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 totally. To be
0: more and helping them see that picture. Yeah, totally. And it sounds like with a hotel where you can now that you're not the field man you can now develop this. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But being the field man, like I've gotten all this knowledge. So now like it all, like it's just all seemed to line up so mm -hmm. well, like step after step, I've been guided and I've had community around me, people who are believing in me, who are empowering me, who are teaching me, you know, it's, you know, it's just been an amazing journey. It's for me, it all feels like a gift. Every time I'm there, I'm just like, so thankful. It's, there's not a day that goes by that I'm like, not in awe of like, I cannot believe this journey I'm on that. Mm -hmm. It's gone this far and I've done this much. Like I'm always I truly am living in like just a state of thankfulness always. Awesome. Right. So
0: now you're you plan on going back. Yeah. So you've done this, you were able to move forward. Went from someone who didn't know anything about coffee to now yeah. you have learned a lot about coffee. Yeah. yeah. And you were teaching people that knew about coffee, how they can use that as a part of their life, but also as a product to enrich. And oh, absolutely. To grow, yeah. Um, kind of help them live a better life, a better life, for future. Like you said, that lasting thing sounds like you know if you can help them learn the some of the business or just being able to help them learn how they can make money off of this product oh yeah totally like you said chocolate honey yeah their their future generations are now going to be able to oh
1: yeah absolutely like to be able to say like we are you know the idea is eventually where they can say like we are this village and we are producing this coffee, you know, like mm-hmm. where it's going to put them on the map, you know, hopefully like that's the vision is like, right. They can say our livelihood comes from this and you know, where, you know, we have a better life. you know, um, what do you call that? You know, a better state of life, you know, mm-hmm. where we have the things we need, the basic necessities, you know, right. clean water, nutrition, you know, education, And the cool thing about coffee is it can take you everywhere. You know, you become a good barista. You can be a national champion, a world champion. And, you know, Pete, you know, it can take you so far. That's why that's a whole
0: new. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: you can, you can literally go from, I was this small village kid where it's like, I'm a world champion barista. I'm a world champion, you know, producing this coffee. And Mm -hmm. it's like coffee can take you everywhere. It's like, if I'm not mistaken on like coffee is only second to oil on the stock market, like in the world market, like, (sighs) coffee is one of the biggest mm-hmm. commodities that we consume as, and here these as a pe- people.
0: Right. And here these people are that have it. Yeah. Good quality. Yeah. And sounds like a lot of them didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: totally. And you know, that's the cool thing about the growing coffee community on the West coast and mm-hmm. in Europe and things like that, where it's people are always looking for that next unique coffee. Like where is an undiscovered place? You know, right. where, where's the secret hidden gym, you know? Mm-hmm. And in a, Hopefully, one day we'll be able to offer that, you know, where it's yeah. like, I've got this small lot farmer where he's producing this much a year. But, like, you know, that's the idea is to put him on the map, hopefully, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. That.
0: And then that gives for him and his family you know, their means. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. <music> so you're going back, you're doing that yeah, um, yeah. to kind of just like wrap things up. Uh, so this is what you, Taylor Leary, are doing now. You've been there how many years? Uh, this is going on my fifth year. Right. Yeah. And so, field man, you've learned a whole lot. Now you're going. The plan is to go in with your friend. Yeah. Does the hotel already exist, or is he Yeah, already? yeah. The hotel's
1: been well established for gotcha almost a decade, I think. So he had always wanted to expand. He just didn't have the means. So I knew him just from visiting a few times. Like I've, right. I've, I've done some like, you know, there's like a really famous waterfall up there and it's a pretty famous spot for tourism. And I just knew him from that. And, uh,
0: so again, another door that is open Yeah, totally. You. you
1: know, I just had loved going up there. Loved love spending time up there. And, uh, I just knew him and he had like been kind of asking my next step. Like, what do you want to do? And told him I've been trying to get up there and like help out people and, Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was kind of like, What do you think about moving forward on this next step whenever your contract's done? And I'm like, Sounds exactly what I've been looking for. So cool. So yeah.
0: less traveling around,
1: more stationary. Yeah. More now. stationary. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I hope to buy some land and build a house, hopefully. You know, mm-hmm. that, that would be ideal. I'd love that. So
0: you don't really see, or do I could be wrong? I could be completely inferring. I don't even know if I use that word right, <laughs> but you don't see it. Right now, do you see a time where you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm moving back to the States or is this home now?
1: Well, that's a good question. I feel like I'm open to either or, you know, I would see myself more of, you know, continually building new projects where let's say we reach the vision and everything is great and it's being run indigenously then I would totally move to another rural area and restart start again, you know? Gotcha. Like, so like, I've helped these people. Now they don't need you. Yeah, and so I would love to work myself out of a job where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, these guys, you know, I'm getting a cut of this, but they're running it, and, you know, it's in their hands. I would love to, because, like, it's unending over there. There's so many places that could could use education and and that, you know, someone coming alongside them. So I feel like if I ever really accomplished that first thing I would totally probably just find another area to help Mm -hmm. out, you know, like I feel like there's so many islands and mountains and coffee growing regions. It could never end. I could spend my life doing that, but we'll see, you know, Mm -hmm. get married, have kids. We'll see what the wife. Yeah. So that's the
0: next thing. So you have, you met someone over there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've been dating this girl nine months, just got engaged, known her for two years. Um, she is Indonesian. Uh, she's from the capital. So uh, yeah, we're hoping to get married next next year. I almost said next week. I was like, "What?" <laughs> no, no, next year. Next year. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I I really believe that once you get married, that's the biggest thing, you know. So or mm-hmm. you know, the the greatest you know thing would be protecting my marriage, and mm-hmm. so we'll see how that you know how we'll work together and what you know we feel. As a husband and wife want to do and um but for now yeah start this project but uh I, I feel like i'm I could be happy anywhere you know back in the states is cool um stay over there is cool too
0: so all right yeah. all right, so the big thing obviously is the marriage you yeah 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 yeah
1: like I would never like let's say you know I would never sacrifice my marriage for a calling or you know um or you know a project so if I felt like it was, you know, unhealthy as a couple to be somewhere Mm -hmm. difficult. Or we, I felt that, you know, my wife wasn't safe or, you know, if there was, you know, I would never sacrifice my marriage for anything. Gotcha. Is
0: she in the coffee?
1: Uh, yeah, she is much more into like Vietnam drip. If you know what that is. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Okay. Well, she's not, she much, she prefers Robusta coffee over Arabica. Okay. So like she likes it like kind of like a, Like a milk coffee, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm much more of like a purist, like black coffee, like Mm -hmm. 100%, you know, specialty grade. She prefers much more like bitter, darker roasted coffee. Gotcha. So I'm I'm kind of like a purist, like extremely light roast, like very high grade. She Mm -hmm. prefers darker, more bitter coffee okay so but yeah. she's into coffee obviously. oh yeah, yeah she's a big coffee drinker and <laughs> yeah I've made some very special blends that she like has fallen in love with you know like because I know all the ins and outs so I can be like
0: this is how you won her <laughs> yeah it's, it's, I know
1: for a fact like okay you like this kind of coffee I can mix these different regions mm-hmm. and create the special blend so I definitely not I don't like the coffee she likes but I know how to make the coffee she likes uh-huh. so that's the important part <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so yeah okay so you're going back that's the plans um if someone, um, and you may have been asked this question before too, but if someone said, you know, like, I'm thinking of doing something like this, going to another country, I'm scared. Yeah. <clears throat> what advice would you give them to make it happen? Or at least to try? That's a great,
1: great, great question. I would say just the first thing is remember that failure is, always, is not permanent. Mm-hmm. Like, we're yeah one thing I've learned is like you can fail and always restart, like never be afraid of reinventing yourself,
0: okay,
1: like never stop learning, don't be afraid to just drop everything, you know i think I think there's there's value in being integral and fulfilling your commitments and you know not leaving people out to dry, you right. know you know hung out to dry, but I would say, start if you're dreaming of something or you're feeling something growing inside you like a vision. Start asking your community, like, mm-hmm. hey, do you feel like, what do you feel about this idea for me? Or do you like have any advice? Like start asking those closest to you, but also don't be afraid to, to sacrifice a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. like, like truly nothing great ever happened without sacrifice.
0: Right. And the, f- Failure will likely happen along the way. It's oh, totally.
1: Form. You're not going to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to mess up. You're going. The thing is, keep learning. Don't right. stop. And I would say check with your community. You know, start asking people the closest to you. Like, I've got this growing in me. Like, do you have any resources, info? What would be the next step? Like, just start throwing out the vision. Like, right. that is one of the biggest things I've learned is start telling people like cast vision. I want to do this. Do you have resources? Have you heard of this? Or do you know about this? And pretty soon you're going to know someone connected to something. That's how all of my biggest steps have happened where I'm like, Hey, I'm really feeling this. And then my friend will be like, I know someone doing this. Let me connect you with this person. And that's, you know, community is huge. Like, so I would just say that, like you have no idea what other people might know unless you ask, you know, like, yeah. I feel like it never hurts to ask or never hurts to throw out, you know, casting vision, you know, mm-hmm. just never, it's never failed me where it's like, let me connect you to my friend. Cause he's doing this. It just never hurts, you know? Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably feel like their passions, their things that they're into may sound crazy to someone else. Oh, totally. And what you're saying is don't let that stop you. Oh,
1: totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. And if you, and obviously, that key of community, having the right people around you, I, you know, that's something that you keep hitting on, and I—that's something I've learned in my life, agreeing on too. So, yeah. having—if you have a vision, if you have a passion, that's not letting go. Uh, don't don't be quiet about it. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. have the right yeah. people around you. Oh, you yeah, totally is important,
1: and and get and try to find people with the same vision. You know, right? Like with this coffee stuff being an exporter, like. He was just a friend of mine before that I met, like Mm -hmm. by happenstance, you know? And then I told him, I'm like, hey, I'm like getting certified in these coffee things through the SCA and I want to do more. And he's like, oh, well, join with me, you know? Mm -hmm. So find people that are going to fan that fire, you know, like find people on the same road because they're going to know stuff that you don't know and you're going to know stuff that they don't know and you're going to be able to compliment each other. So like find people that want the same stuff, you know, and that aren't going to like, let you stop or that aren't gonna let you slow down, you know? So cool. Yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that all of those are important. And like I've told you, you know, before we started today, that's kind of the goal of this podcast is, you know, life onward, living a life that's moving forward with people that are living out their passions, like what you're doing. Yeah, totally. I want to learn how to do that better and I hope other people listening oh yeah wanna learn that too. So I think it's a battle. It's a battle for sure. Those are like, some key things, it yeah. Like. It is, yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Awesome. So where um uh, are there ways for people to kinda like follow what you're doing or is it pretty well under
1: No, 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 totally. Like, my Instagram's public. Like, follow along on the journey. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just...
0: I've seen some of it. It's like all these amazing looking coffee beans.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my Instagram is Taylor Kyle, if I'm not mistaken now. (laughs) I forget what... I'll I'll look while you're talking. Yeah, yeah, no. Like, feel free. Follow me on the journey. Like, come and visit. The door is always open to come and visit. Be involved. Like, I would love... I love having people come. So, like... Well, I love setting up trips for people. Um, yeah. I would say Instagram is probably the e- easiest. Like, I don't really use Facebook much anymore. Mm-hmm. I just, I think Instagram visually is just way more appealing. Right. And it's much more like my day-to-day with the Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram stories 24-7 where it's like, yeah. I'm doing this today, you know. And there's a bunch of story highlights of me doing trips. So I'm
0: looking at it right now. Is there's, it t- a, there's a wedding ring in here. Oh, but yeah. But then there's yeah. a lot of... <laughs> Coffee it looks like farmland oh, as yeah. well as just the culture. Someone like me that has never even been out of America, yeah. I am. It's a little bit of a window into this culture. I'm seeing, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I'm seeing people farming and just yeah. in the like like in the setting. So definitely, it's um. It looks like you could search for it by Taylor Kyle. Also, yeah. um, the actual looks like the actual handle, if that's the right term. Yeah, T a y l r l r y.
1: Yeah, that's just like Taylor Leary without um, without without the vowels or one vowel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so people
0: can look Taylor Kyle if you're having trouble finding it. Yeah, want to follow, which I recommend following T A Y L R L R Y. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And um, also, like like you said, just like this money as as an aspect. Is there like from the missional part? Are there people that can give, or are you? Is that still something that
1: I mean, I'm always looking for like investors. Yeah. Cause right. these projects are going to be huge. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, doing a greenhouse, buying machines, basically starting from the ground up. I'm always looking for investors okay. or, you know, even business advice is huge. Yeah. So if there's business people listening, you want to meet and like, help me step by step. Cause I wouldn't say I'm a businessman first. I'm just a passionate person who loves coffee and I'm always looking for oversight mentorship Mm -hmm. in that aspect so um you could just contact me through instagram or even through ward ward could pass on you know you contact him i could give out my email um but yeah i'm always looking for people who want to have a global impact who want to you know pour into people's lives maybe people who can't go um Mm -hmm. yeah that's always you know i'm always looking for that
0: awesome all right so Next thing is you're gonna be here for a little bit. You yep. are on vacation right now with yeah. your family. So yep. enjoy that time. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely. You're looking to go back when?
1: Uh October, October.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the plan is October? Yep. Cool. All right. I'm sure I'm sure your uh fiance is ready to see you. Again. I know. Oh,
1: it's killing me. <laughs> it's only been like a week and I'm like dying here. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if that was a good idea to propose before I left because now it's even harder, you know?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought, like, it's so romantic, I'll propose right before I leave. Now I'm like, man, this makes it really hard.
0: <laughs> oh, I, bet. I bet. I bet it's hard for both of you, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that about sums it up. Again, uh, thank you for taking the time. I'll get this uh, edited and awesome. out there pretty soon. Awesome. Um, again, I just thank you for sharing your story. I believe it's very inspiring. You are doing something that I feel a lot of people would just be so afraid. You know, there's people that want to do that. And it's just that taking those steps and learning. So I think definitely the stuff you have shared, you know, people, I can apply it to my life. I think other people can apply it to theirs as well. So uh, thank you. And I do want
1: to say though, like, Mm -hmm. because I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a realist. Definitely that Mm -hmm. the journey is not easy. Like people that I've. Had amazing friendships with and villages that I've poured myself into i've been robbed I've had my house ransacked by people I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know justice is an interesting concept over there. It's not the justice that we know right um and I would not be able to continually be on this journey if it was not my personal relationship with God right because you know having to walk through forgiveness, having to you know feel alone feeling scared feeling totally betrayed and the lessons that i've taken from the bible and the things that i learn by li- looking at the life of jesus mm-hmm. like like i really don't believe that i could stay on this journey if it wasn't for those you know lessons those insights through the life of jesus and how he lived and who he is like it is not all you know it's not all perfect like it's frustrating, it's challenging, it's scary, it's a constant battle. Yeah. But me personally knowing that I have God walking with me throughout this journey and the comfort of that, knowing that this life is not the only thing, you know, knowing that there's something else on the side of this life is extremely comforting and strengthening mm-hmm. um uh, empowering, is the right. word. So I would say that like I have gone through a lot, but mm-hmm. learning forgiveness and learning, um, grace through it all is huge. I could not have done this without my personal relationship with God. So, and the lessons I've learned and things like that. So, um, having that, that foundation in my life has been huge.
0: Gotcha. So, if, um, you say that and it made me think of a, uh, a tweet that I saw today and then I, shared a screenshot of on Instagram uh Bob Goff. Oh I love Bob okay. Goff. ooh, Yeah, so, so Bob Goff uh tweeted this today. Love more, not less. Will you take a hit? Of course you will. Do it anyway.
1: That is like feels like the story of my life because mm-hmm. like you get ripped off, you order like, you know, I had dealt with a situation where we ordered 16 tons of coffee. That sounds like a lot. That's like <laughs> So just imagine, like, one ton is a 1,000 kilos, which is 2,200 pounds times 16, if you're good at math. And, like, it was junk coffee. We took a major hit. So you get ripped off a lot. You get hurt a lot. You get taken Mm -hmm. advantage of, especially being a white person over there Mm -hmm. or, you know, a Western person. Right. Sorry, I don't want to say white, you know, but But having white skin. yeah, Yeah, having white skin, they see you as you got a ton of money, so I'm going to rip you off. So uh, okay. there's definitely, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of hurts. There's a lot of, you know, but I believe it's better to be loving and continually in a sense, you know, the way Jesus poured his self himself out for us to continually live mm-hmm. by that example of sacrifice more, love more, forgive more, because that's the way Jesus lived. Yeah. And I believe he's the example to follow. So Mm -hmm. it's not always easy, but yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. Sweet. Well, thank you again for coming and sharing your story. I do think it is definitely uh, something that I know I'm inspired by and I think the listeners can be too. And again, we can take something from it. Maybe it is just that some of maybe people listening have an idea and they're scared to take the step out because they're afraid it's too crazy yeah. or they're afraid of those. What if, well, what if this happens? What if I fail? Oh yeah. So, uh, as your life is an example of you can do something and you've given us some ways of looking at people and um, aspects to try and live it. So thank you very awesome. much for that. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. Enjoy your time at the beach. Woo, You're barring my board. It's probably yeah. ridden a lot better than I ride it. <laughs> So, uh, thank
1: you for that. Thank we'll you. We'll try
0: and surf while you're here. Yes, please. That would be awesome. Awesome. Well, All thank right. you very much. And again, you're listening to Life on Ward, aka Life Onward, with me, Ward Huey, as the host. And today we have my good friend Taylor Leary Coffer, coff, Coffer, <laughs> Coffee Connoisseur. Woo!
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Big thank you again to. Taylor for coming out and being a part of the Life Onward podcast. I think it's pretty interesting how he ended up in coffee, something that wasn't even a part of his life before now, all through YWAM and relationships with people like Sergey Kotrovsky and just a desire to love others. He understood what. I personally think a lot of people, missionaries and otherwise, uh, don't understand, which is we do not need to bring something to fix and teach people in other cultures. We just need to love them where they are, and they're probably going to teach us more than we teach them. So anyways, off my soapbox, again, thank you very much for Taylor showing up and having that conversation with me. I do find it very interesting, and I hope that I can learn how to handle the hard decisions that I face when I'm trying to follow passions as well as he has. also definitely want to check him out farther along in his journey so you can look on his Instagram and all of that. I do believe he may also have an email list that you can sign up for, but if you look on his Insta, you'll find that. So again, thank you for listening. Until next time, do not forget you do belong and you do exist at least for now.
1: At least for now.